Hi, it's Dune here, your host and hype girl. And before we dive into today's episode, I want you to take a hot second to reflect. What's that passion, unique experience, or knowledge you have itching to be shared with the world? For me, it's always been about guiding you and cheerleading incredible women to start your businesses. So what's your thing? You see, everyone's got something they excel at, something they just can't stop talking about. And it turns out that one of the best ways to monetize those passions is through sharing that thing with the world as a digital course product. My life's work has been to chat with more than 600, 7, 8, and 9-figure e-commerce founders. And it's through those conversations that have led me to creating a foolproof playbook and my go-to guide for early-stage founders in the form of my first-ever digital program, e-commerce fundamentals. But it wouldn't have been possible without Thinkific. The beauty of this platform lies in its simplicity. Cute templates and a super easy to use editor. No coding headaches, no tech-induced stress, just pure focus on what matters most, the content. So if you've ever been curious about building a course to teach your passion, this is the way to do it. The genuine support from the Thinkific team turns it from this lonely, confusing headache into the most fulfilling and easy project. Go to the link in my show notes to get a free trial on me. This is Haley Russell for Female Startup Club. Hey everyone, it's Dune here, your host and hype girl. Today on the show, we're learning from Haley Russell, co-founder of Chippin, the pet food biz for dogs. Chippin creates high-quality pet foods that reduce the eco-paw print by developing products from all-natural proteins such as insects, overpopulated fish, and algae, while also being science-backed and with traceable nutrition. In this episode, we're covering how she started a cricket farm in her backyard a big pivot she made early on based on a eureka moment, and how she's approaching growth today. And if you haven't heard me going on and on and on about my book launched, firstly, I'm surprised, but secondly, make sure you mark February 28th in your mind and your diary because that's when our launch week celebration kicks in. You can keep in the loop with us via our free industry newsletter at femalestartupclub.com or on social media. Let's get into this episode. This is Haley for Female Startup Club. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. 
But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Haley, hi, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited to dig into your story today. I'm such a dog lover. I'm just like this person that's become so weirdly obsessed with my dog that I'm just like, what is life without her? So I feel like I'm talking to a fellow super dog lover. <laughs> yeah, you absolutely are. I mean, it's our fur babies. Um, what is your dog's name? Sweetie. She's like a tiny, tiny chihuahua and she's just like a bundle of joy. Oh my goodness. Love that. I actually read what your dog and your co-founder's dog's name were, like Ren and, but I've forgotten the other one. I've, uh, Ren was the inspiration for the company. Uh, so she's Golden Doodle, who, uh, upon showing interest in eating crickets, served as a spark of inspiration to eventually create what is now Chippin. Um, and then I adopted, <laughs> and then I adopted a pity mix named Kingfisher about three years ago. And, uh, so all the dogs in my family are named after birds. Oh. Love that. Love that. Tell me about Chippin. Tell me about the brand and the ethos behind the brand. It's all about chipping in and doing something that's really great for your pet or four-legged family member and the planet. And so really started inspired by this experience of not being able to find a pet food that was high quality, super tasty, and eco-friendly. And I just thought it was crazy that we've seen so much momentum around plant-based foods for people. We've seen really a transformation in consumer products in general when it comes to shoes or apparel or even cleaning goods. And then when I was looking at pet food options on the market, there really wasn't innovation um, that delivered on great food that's also great for the planet. And uh, so that was the personal experience. And then when I found out that if you're considering all of our USA pets, I'm, I'm based here in the US, um, as their own country, 180 million cats and dogs, uh, if you look at the meat they, they eat, they rank fifth in global meat consumption. And so then it became not only an individual challenge, but also 
this massive um, global challenge, really. That is so crazy. And it makes, so, I mean, it makes so much sense in general, but I can't believe I never really thought about that because I don't eat meat and I'm so excited about the future of, you know, lab grown meat and, you know, what's coming, like the innovation that's coming out in the food space in general. Food tech is so cool, but I've never actually thought too much about what she eats in her kibble. <laughs> that's so weird. Yeah, it's really, it's kind of crazy. And that's, that's in part why there hasn't been innovation, because it's something that once people realize it, then there's sort of this wow moment of, oh my gosh, this is insane. Why didn't I think of anything? But so much of the marketing around pet food is centered on your dog as this wild animal with wolves on the packaging. <laughs> and so you, there's sort of this assumption of, okay, well, my dog's going to eat um, big game for dinner. And <laughs> we found a way to deliver on that protein need while uh, using 80% plus less resources. Gosh, that's amazing. I love that. I want to rewind to, you know, what got you thinking about this business in the first place? And what got you thinking about crickets in the first place? And like, you know, why this? Where does your entrepreneurial story like really get started? Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things that I realized I didn't mention, but the way that we go about creating these eco-friendly pet foods is we tap into all natural proteins like insects. So we have cricket protein-based dog treats, um, algae, California-grown spirulina, um, and then also overpopulated species. So we have both a dog food and treats that are made from wild-caught silver carp that we source uh, from waterways in the Kentucky area. So entrepreneurial journey started very early. I've always had an interest in creating my own businesses. Even as a young kid, I was making little belt businesses or camps or <laughs> whatever I could do. I liked the idea of creating something new, um, building it from the ground up and enjoyed navigating the uncertainty uh, while also solving problems. And so I started my career in finance after school, spent a couple of years at a bank, um, then shifted to working in the food and beverage space uh, in a variety of different roles, generally operational. And um, I have always been really passionate about food, food systems, thinking about the impact of our food choices. Because really, it's one of those things, especially when you're looking at um, the climate emergency that we're in today, like you can make a difference in 30 minutes <laughs> by choosing a more eco-friendly meal, whereas it's really challenging maybe to get a new car, for instance. And so I've always seen food as a, a powerful thing from a nutrition and, and an environmental perspective. And uh, so as super interested in protein. And my brother mentioned to me that there were some cricket protein bar companies. Um, so this was a little while ago and I just did a deep dive and on cricket protein. <laughs> I've never heard about cricket protein before. That's incredible. There was the, the food and agriculture organization came out with, I think it was a 2016 report in which they declared insects as very promising for food and feed. And it was the most downloaded report 
ever in their history. And it spurred this mini boom, at least here in the U.S., in little uh, insect-based companies on the CPG side and then also on the supplier side. And so I was tracking it and played my own little part and um, then ended up, I was in business school and I got a handful of grants from the University of Pennsylvania and made my own little cricket farm uh, where <laughs> I was partnering with entomologists, so bug experts. Um, wait, wait, let's pause here. I've got so many questions. First question is, were you originally thinking about this as a food source for humans before it became what it is today? Yes, I originally didn't have, I did not have a plan, but I knew that I, I knew that protein and the way that it is made is a problem. There are so many animal welfare issues, really passionate about that. Um, there are a lot of human health issues with the, the amount of um, animal proteins consumed. And so I knew that I was interested in changing the food system and that protein was the area of focus. And I started somewhere. And for me, that was working on a little cricket farm. And so... You you say that you had a grant or you won a grant, sorry. How did you win it and how much did you win? It was uh, while I was in business school. And so the first one was a $5,000 grant that I applied for. I submitted a written application and a little video of myself talking about the potential of uh, insect-based protein for people um, and how 2 billion people worldwide eat insects. And then with that $5,000, I purchased all the equipment that I needed and set up this little cricket farm and started to work with partners and um, making it something uh, real. Can you talk me through, like, can you paint a picture of what a cricket farm looks like? Like, how big are we talking? Obviously, they're tiny. Is this a really small scale setup or is this like you've taken over like your parents' backyard and you've got like a whole dwelling out there? We're, we're talking a, a relatively small space, uh, but I, as most entrepreneurs do, you look to inspiration from other industries. So I borrowed from the cannabis industry and got a really large tent <laughs> and <laughs> had the ability to regulate temperature, humidity, airflow, light, everything that you need to create a happy and healthy environment for um, crickets, which are naturally um, swarming species. And, you know, they have very specific conditions under which they thrive. Um, And so it was, you know, probably I'm I'm horrible with uh, square footage, but it was it was sizable. You could uh, five people could stand within the farm and then we had a vertical setup um, with kind of three different layers um, and a lot of happy chirping crickets. Oh my gosh, that is so cool and something I have just never heard about in my life. I love it. So what happens? You build this farm at your house. So I build the farm. It goes great, uh, but Ultimately, what I realize is I am not a cricket farmer, and, <laughs> <laughs> and this is going to be a big lift for me to <laughs> scale this. Um, and I see that there are 
other suppliers that are ramping up. They're doing an awesome job. And ultimately what I take away is that this is um, a more humane way of um, harvesting protein. It's something that I was comfortable with. And it led to this moment where my golden doodle wren um, I saw wanted to eat a cricket. Um, and that then put me on the course for thinking about pet food. Oh my gosh. Okay. I have one more question about the cricket situation before we can move on to the next part of your story about how you're actually building the brand at this point. One more question is, are you like creating recipes in your kitchen with crickets? Like, are you guys just like eating crickets at every meal? What's the situation? (laughs) I want to know. It it was more more of a research and development kind of setup. So I ended up applying for a USDA small business innovation research grant um, and was a finalist for that. Um, so it was it was more of a learning experience. And then we did uh, we did harvest, handled them, never sold them to other folks, but then harvested some and did some sampling. And, and that ultimately led to this realization that people were having challenges from a psychological standpoint and in eating insects, given the way that we're socialized to fear them. And um, and that it's a great form of protein and there's no hesitation when it comes to pets and it's so high quality. And so, Hey, maybe there's this win all around um, where we can think about reimagining the whole pet foods food chain and uh, tap into different forms of protein to do that. So you have this Eureka moment, you've got the realization what are the kind of next steps to getting this brand up and running? Like, how do you start building this business? It was not immediate. I I had the realization I had a full-time consulting job lined up um, with a really awesome company. I was in business school. And so it wasn't one of those stories where I had the moment and then immediately I was running and we we're scaling chip in. It definitely was a little bit more of I knew there was something there. I um, was interested in pursuing it. And um, so I kind of slowly then started to mock up in my home kitchen some dog treats made from cricket protein um, and, uh, tested them out and wanted to make sure that, um, it was a viable product that people would actually be interested and willing to feature their dogs. And then I also invested up front a ton of time talking to veterinarians, um, and animal nutrition scientists, because this is something totally new. And so before ever going to market with a product, which we went to market with our first product, um, uh, late 2019, started working out like full time and went full steam ahead. Um, in advance of that, spent a, a ton of time talking with people to ensure that this truly was a science back source of protein that is just awesome from a nutritional perspective. And when you say like you were, you know, going out there and trying to like prove out the concept by talking to people, like how were you trying to prove out the concept? How were you finding out that other dog owners were interested? There was a lot of on the ground hustle. And as any entrepreneur does, we still are. Um, But in those early stages, I I mocked up some early cricket treats in my kitchen. And then I created 
versions A through E and would go to some dog parks, um, sample there, see what people, how people responded, see how dogs responded. And then I also, um, through a network of friends and friends of friends would run around and drop off samples to their apartments uh, because dog parks are actually really challenging to get a good read because they're so, the dogs are so overstimulated. Um, So yeah, so drop off product, people would then record on their camera, on their phones, um, how the dog responded, which version they liked better. And so I just started to get feedback um, in a, pretty basic way, but it provided really clear insight into what people liked when it came to texture, selling points, and anything from the shape of the treat so that a dog can eat it comfortably. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I didn't think of the shape. And also I imagine smell would come into it too. Sometimes my dog has things that I'm like, this stinks. Like she cannot have it in the house. (laughs) That is one of our biggest selling points and one of the huge reasons why people stick around with chipping is it smells great and it doesn't leave your hands with an icky stinky residue and so you can't see insects and and now we have a vegan treat and a treat made from a fish protein but we started with the cricket protein um so there's no disgust factor in the dog treat itself yeah, I was reading your um, Amazon reviews, the plenty, plenty five-star Amazon reviews, and I, I kept seeing that coming up, which I thought was really interesting. You said a moment ago that you were doing, you know, it like um, iteration A through to E. At this point, are you, you know, funding this through your savings? Is it not expensive at all to do this? What's the kind of money piece of the puzzle in the early days? This was very early prototyping and I, after moving on from the the small scale cricket farm, um, then did some additional pitches. Uh, So I I did a startup pitch circuit and um, was able to get our first around 70K or so um, in funding from grants um, that we used to continue to iterate on the product and ultimately get our first uh, trial run with a co-manufacturer um, and even our first mini product run um, also at that same co-manufacturer. And like when you say mini product run, how many units are you talking that you were able to kind of launch with? Uh, just a couple thousand. Like a small amount. I mean, that's still a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's still a lot. <laughs> It's a lot to sell a few thousand things. <laughs> yeah, well, dog treat, it's, it's around 10 bucks. So um, you can. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. 
Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If. Only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Get on the ground and sell through them pretty quickly. Unpredictability is part of what makes starting and growing a business both exciting and terrifying. From the next loan payment to your next big sale or your next acquisition, Finding predictability in business is about as likely as finding a last-minute Valentine's Day dinner reservation. Unlikely. A HubSpot CRM platform is here to help grow and scale with you through uncertainty so you can spend your time getting to that dinner reservation. HubSpot's reporting dashboard is like your crystal ball, giving you a bird's-eye view on your marketing, your sales, and customer service performance so you can get ahead of any issues before they happen. Lead rotation and automation takes on operational sales tasks so your team can focus on customer needs. And shared inboxes make incoming chats and emails easy to manage and scale for the whole team. Learn more about how a HubSpot CRM platform can help your business grow better at HubSpot.com. How do you then go from, you know, then till now? Like if we're thinking about the key milestones of your journey, like how do you launch the brand out into the world? How do you start getting people to notice you and become interested? Because I also imagine there is still a bit of an education piece to this puzzle um, and getting people to be like, oh, that's new and different. What's the journey like? There's absolutely a big time education process and it's been interesting because the, the cricket protein treats, there had been some basic education already done because people knew about it for themselves generally. Um, but as we've launched new products like this overpopulated silver carp food and um, jerky treats, uh, the education part of things has just been huge. And so 
Um, couple, I guess to start with the milestone note, and then we could talk a little bit more about customer education and kind of how we share out our story. You know, went from the prototype, started with just two flavors of a treat, had that. Um, and what we did was uh, set up a series of like events. So we would go to, at the time, co-working spaces <laughs> just just before the pandemic hit. A different world. <laughs> it, was a different, it was a different world completely. Um, so we were just getting going right before the pandemic hit. Uh, so we had some co-working spaces, um, distribution through a handful of pet specialty shops. Um, like really, we just hit the pavement to get distribution out in the real world, recognizing that digital acquisition is so expensive and also um, uh, can be challenging to get that really loyal customer. And so started with on the ground distribution. And then what we did was um, we had our own social media. So we're on Instagram at Chip and Time. Um, TikTok kind of hadn't quite blown up yet. Um, and we started to build out our following and really, really made sure to talk to anybody that was engaging with us. And so um, one of the things about our brand is it's very community centered. We're all in this together. We're all chipping in to try to make a difference in the world. And so um, that comes through in kind of every touch point of the experience, whether it be our social media presence or um, customer care on our website. And so one of the things that really helped us accelerate digitally um, was getting to know people that had any bit of interest in what we were doing. Um, and ultimately, we ended up building these kind of casual conversations into a popacitor program, which is kind of like an ambassador program. Um, but it's a bunch of dog parents and their dogs who are sharing out what we're doing. And that was just huge for us to start to create like some social media buzz, um, build out content, and then also educate other folks on what we're doing through people that were amplifying our message. When you say you were like engaging with someone and trying to have conversations with anyone who showed interest to you, what does that actually mean? Was that like going into the DMs and like switching a conversation from a comment to the DMs and being like, hey, so you have a dog or or is there something else? It, it means going into DMs and having a real direct conversation with people. <laughs> I love that. So cool. And I just feel like I'm part of this WhatsApp group of dog owners in my area. And it's just like such a little, you know, cult group (laughs) because we're all just like, so like share any information, you know, share all the things. I feel like dog people really stick together. Well, yeah. And also nutrition can be very confusing. And so that is one of the the value adds too of getting to know people that are interested in the product. And then for people right now, I mean, we only have so many products. So also we try to get to know people for whom like they're looking for something and maybe we don't offer it now, um, but it helps us then develop what that future product roadmap looks like. Um, just really having a, a lot of high touch um, conversations. And so 
from kind of like building out that, focusing on community, building out your ambassador program to say today, what are the kinds of things in your marketing mix that are really driving your acquisition and that are kind of like really working for you besides that kind of like community building? It's been really interesting because I think when you look at the pet food space, um, the sales channels are very fragmented. And so unlike a maybe human D2C company or even just launch on your own website and stay only there, you have a differentiated product, pet is a little bit different because you have Chewy where so many different foods and treats are sold. Amazon is uh, become a major platform and then you have a lot of different pet stores. And so um, people cross channel shop a lot for pet. <laughs> um, and so it's it, that and us having to play in a couple different channels has actually also translated to us having um, a pretty diversified mix of ways in which um, we're also connecting with people, reaching out to them and then acquiring them. And so a couple things that have been pretty interesting, maybe that are a little bit different is um, we've really been leaning into affiliates. And so you can think about things like top 10 best dog foods or best eco-friendly products for um, new dog moms. And that's been a way where we've been able to get the word out with a permanent placement um, and a controlled customer acquisition cost that's been really exciting and interesting for us. So like through online publications, you mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so interesting. I had someone tell me that recently on the show. How does that actually work? Do you just, you know, determine who you think would be a good fit and you just like cold outreach or you have someone who specifically manages that for you? We have a teammate who is very focused on affiliates, um, but it's a combination. He uh, knows some affiliates and then some of it is a lot of knocking on doors. Right. That's so interesting. Virtually. (laughs) Yeah, we've got it. And so for you, like you obviously have your e-commerce site, you're in pet stores. I think I read you're in a few hundred pet stores nationwide. And then your other channel is Amazon. Are there any other channels in the mix or they're kind of your key ones? We have an interesting base of e-com marketplaces in addition to traditional retail doors that have been awesome ways to reach our target customer. And so we've partnered with Grove Collaborative recently. Do you know them? I don't know what that is. (laughs) Please tell me. Okay. Uh, Grove Collaborative is, is based in California. And they have an eco-friendly marketplace started with cleaning goods, um, distributed nationwide, really a a big base of um, people onboarded and and a heavy focus on subscription. And we're the first pet food brand um, that they're launching with. And so we just launched a couple months ago. That's been really huge as we're creating a category um, with them on their platform. And we've found that it's been fantastic from a broader awareness perspective as well. And then in line with that kind of partnership, which is a bit bigger, we're also working with a handful of smaller uh, eco-focused marketplaces uh, that are online and some 
um, fast delivery services like Fast AF. I see. And and what about things like, or what's the, I don't know much about this, so, you know, I don't know how it goes, but what about working with vets and like partnering with those kind of like professionals? Is that something that's on the roadmap or already exists or, you know, it's not a vibe? It certainly exists for us from the perspective of product development. We have a board certified veterinarian who reviews all of our products and is um, on contract with us, um, which is pretty extraordinary for a small brand like ourselves. Um, And so Dr. Beth Hamper is somebody um, we're thrilled to work with. Um, And then in addition to her, we have a handful, a a pretty, a group of veterinarians that uh, love chip-in and will share it with their customers one of the things that's a little bit of a challenge as a smaller brand is that a lot of veterinary clinics are actually owned by much bigger pet food companies. And so there's a crazy competitive dynamic where... I didn't know that. Yes. Uh, they also know that it's a great acquisition channel. And so for us, it's impossible for us to distribute our food in, in many places um, where a much bigger player is, um, is, is backing the clinic. Oh my gosh, I didn't know that. That's I don't I feel like that should be disclosed because <laughs> you would think that's an interesting point. But we have a lot of veterinarians that absolutely love chipping and then um working with a board certified veterinary nutritionist is just huge. Yeah, I bet. How big is is the company now? Like or what's your kind of like setup at the moment? We're still a small team. Um, so we're a little under 10 team members. Um, and then um, we do a handful of different partnerships as we're doing different events or collaborations. Um, but we've kept it um, pretty close as we've started to scale. Love it. What is the best and worst advice you've ever received? I, I I don't know if I want to share the worst advice. <laughs> I think when I receive bad advice, I try to just block it out immediately. <laughs> My approach is to just ignore it. Um, since we talked a ton about crickets today, <laughs> um, one a funny and bad piece of advice I received at one point in time was that I should not pursue chipping at all and I should just become a cricket broker. Oh my god. <laughs> that was <laughs> that was um comical looking back. So um worst advice was to not start chipping. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah. So for any early entrepreneurs, um forget the naysayers and just move forward. And um if you have conviction in your idea, um make it happen. Um, Best advice. (laughs) Um, One thing that I found in the beginning stages of starting Chippin was I would temper some of my ambitions for the company or maybe even undersell myself at different points in time. And so I think as people assisted me with how to pitch the company um, to any number of folks, whether it be a big retailer or um, investors. Um, 
really just conveying confidence in yourself and the idea that you have and going big (laughs) with the story is really critical. And I've had a handful of people mentor me and help guide me to share the best version that we possibly could of where this company can go. And that's something where once you start to do that, I think the excitement and momentum just builds for yourself and your teammates um, and other people can sense it. And so I think it's like really don't undersell yourself. I love that. That's so cool. Definitely dream big, definitely set big, juicy, ambitious goals and take the action to get there. Amazing. Thank you so much for both of those. Hey, it's June here. Thanks for listening to this amazing episode of the Female Startup Club podcast. If you're a fan of the show and want even more of the good stuff, I'd recommend checking out femalestartupclub.com where you can subscribe to our free newsletter. We send it out weekly covering female founder business news, insights and learnings in D2C, and interesting business resources. And if you're a founder building an e-commerce brand, you can join our private network of entrepreneurs called Hype Club at femalestartupclub.com forward slash Hype Club. We have guests from the show joining us for intimate Ask Me Anythings, expert workshops, and a group of totally amazing, like-minded women building the future of D2C brands. As always, please do subscribe, rate and review the show, and post your favorite episodes to Instagram stories. I am beyond grateful when you do that. Hey, it's June here. Thanks for listening to this amazing episode of the Female Startup Club podcast. If you're a fan of the show and want even more of the good stuff, I'd recommend checking out femalestartupclub.com where you can subscribe to our free newsletter. We send it out weekly covering female founder business news, insights and learnings in D2C, and interesting business resources. And if you're a founder building an e-commerce brand, you can join our private network of entrepreneurs called Hype Club at femalestartupclub.com forward slash Hype Club. We have guests from the show joining us for intimate Ask Me Anythings, expert workshops, and a group of totally amazing, like-minded women building the future of D2C brands. As always, please do subscribe, rate and review the show, and post your favorite episodes to Instagram stories. I am beyond grateful when you do that.